Hello, my name's Karen O'Connor and you're listening to Isn't That Interesting? Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and thanks for listening to this episode. This is kind of a follow-on episode from something that I did a few weeks ago where I was talking with Ryan about one of the conversation one of the topics that we were talking about during the conversation was that there's no scientific reason for there being a difference between the male and the female brains and it caused quite a ruckus because the excerpt from the podcast that I put out as a reel, and bear in mind, this is 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds long, out of an hour-long episode, right? So the reel was a little bit out of context, and what I was saying was that there's no excuse for the immature behaviour of some men. Now, I needed to put up a post because I wanted to apologize to people. It was out of context. And when I wrote the post that goes with the post that went with that reel, I was a little bit irritated. I, yeah, and I just tarred all men with the same brush. It's like, all men are immature, blah, blah, blah. They're not, obviously. I was just a little bit irritated. However, I stand by what I said. So the scientific evidence right now is that male and female brains, there is no scientific reason for them to be different. This is notwithstanding personality. It's notwithstanding the impact that hormones have on our brains. What science is saying now is that the differences that we end up with in adulthood are basically because of the way we've been raised. And that is now becoming much more accepted across the board in scientific circles. And I will put links to articles and scientific studies and that kind of thing so that you can go and read for it yourself. But what was really interesting was the backlash that I got for saying that. And what came across from one particular person's backlash was a whole heap of misogyny and sexism and a lot of defence of certain aspects of behaviour. I'm not immature. What came about, what came across was a lot of defence of behaviours. And I get that, right? I understand it's not like, it's not nice to be called out publicly. It's really not. I understand that. Now, the guys actually had no idea that what they were saying was sexist or misogynistic. They had no idea. And that I found really interesting. They were in the space of, like, somebody said to me, I was just reacting to what he said, uh, that I didn't like people disagreeing with me. But that wasn't the case at all. What I was trying to say to people was, these particular people, was that, I didn't like the way they behaved, had nothing to do with what their opinion was or anything. They hadn't stated an opinion. Basically, all they'd done was abuse me. And it was interesting that the person who abused me most was somebody that I actually know on a personal level, on a social level. And that really bothered me because I then went, well, 
why does he think he's got the right to talk to me like that in public? This is not acceptable at all. And that was what I was pulling him up on. And then everything that he said was really sexist and misogynistic, and he really could not see it at all. And it, it brought a lot of stuff back for me. So when I was quite young, probably, I, I would probably be eight or nine, maybe 10, I overheard a close male family member telling somebody else that they thought it was a real pity that I'd been born a girl because with a personality like mine and just the, my intelligence and everything else, I should have been born a boy and it was a real shame that I was going to be limited by being a girl. Now, as you can imagine, that had quite a big impact on me. I felt wrong. There was something wrong with, obviously there was something wrong with me because I was the wrong person trapped in this girl's body. And obviously there was something wrong with being a girl. So I was wrong on all kinds of levels. And it was interesting. I think I saw a program a few years ago on how quite young children are being allowed to have transgender operations um, and therapies at quite a young age. And had that been available when I was their age, I would have probably taken it. I've got to say that. And that's really interesting because even at that age, I understood that there were massive advantages in being a boy. And I didn't, I didn't want to be a girl because I did not want to be held back by anything. When I was, I think I was 17, maybe I wanted to, my big dream, I wanted to be a fighter pilot and I, or I wanted to be an astronaut, one of those two things. And I actually went into the RAF office in my local town to try and join up. And they said, oh, you know, what is it you want to do? And I said, I want to be a fighter pilot. And they laughed me out of the office. Never forgotten that. And I went home and I told my dad. And my dad laughed as well because at the time it was still in the Geneva Convention that women could not fly planes, fire guns or anything like that. And I did not understand that. And then I went on to do a construction degree and I worked on building sites, one of very few women to do so. No, no surprises here, right? And there was one, I remember one time I've been working on site for three or four years at this point and the foreman asked me, I was in his office for something and he asked me why I never wore skirts. And I thought that was a, a really bizarre question. I said, well, it's just not practical. I'm climbing up ladders, I'm walking along scaffolding, I'm, I'm climbing up rooms. Why would I wear a skirt? You wouldn't wear a skirt. And he said, no, you're right. He said, you know the other funny thing? I don't think of you as a woman. He said, and that's no detriment to you. He said, I know you're a woman, but I think of you as a person, first and foremost as a person. And that was what came up for me as in light of everything that's happened recently because I realized that I was a person for a long time until I'd been a stay-at-home mum for a certain number of years. I've got no idea where that point was. But in my own mind and in everybody else's mind, I then lost my right, I suppose. It's not quite the right word. I lost my capacity to be a person and became 
the stay-at-home wife and mother. I became everything that is uh, looked down upon as when you're a woman, you know, stay-at-home mum, don't work, just look after the kids, just do the housework, just, it's all just, I'm just, I haven't got a job, I don't earn money, I don't do this, that and the other, I just do things for hobbies, I've got no purpose outside of raising the family and looking after my husband. And over the last few years in particular, it's something, it's an identity I've struggled with because what I've realized is that I've fallen into that trap of thinking of myself as the stay-at-home woman. My husband's fallen into that trap, no surprise, not blaming him because this is my issue here. And I've had less and less power and felt less and less good about myself. And I'm not deriding anybody that chooses to do that, right? I count myself as very lucky that I was able to do that on the one hand, because I was able to devote the time and energy to the kids and the family that I was. But there were a lot of things about that that I didn't enjoy. And I didn't enjoy that feeling of being at everybody's beck and call all the time. I'm feeling that my only purpose in life was to look after other people. I'm not one of those fabulous people who can get a lot of pleasure out of serving others. That's, That's not me at all. That's not my personality. And I do it because if I'm going to do a job, I'll tend to do it well. And I was committed to it. And I was very loyal. That was what I needed to do. I understood that. And so I did it to the best of my ability. But as the kids are growing up and it's becoming less and less imperative for me to be available 24-7, then I had the opportunity to go, oh, is this actually one of, am I getting pleasure out of this? Do I feel good about myself doing this? And the answer was no, no, I didn't. And the responses on the post from the other week just crystallized all those things for me. I don't want to be society's view of a woman. I want to be a person who happens to be able to bear children. That's it. That's the only difference as far as I'm concerned. And so when I look at life from that perspective, if we are first and foremost people and you've got behavior that's against certain groups of other people, whether that's women, whether it's gay people, whether it's Muslims, whether it's black people, whatever, then the problem is entirely yours and I'm not going to tolerate it. There are so many things that have fallen out of this conversation and so many things for me to think about and really crystallize my, or make me look at my thoughts and perspective on things like, For a start, like I just said, I was staring down the barrel of being a woman for the rest of my life and I couldn't do it. I wanted to be a person again. I realized that that's the major thing behind what's happened in the last six months of separating from John and all that. I just wanted to be a person again and have other people see me as a person. And then it kind of moves on to that. What about my daughters? How does this affect them? How can I have a relationship and be 
a person in that relationship can can that happen can you have a relationship where it's two people together as opposed to a man with all the traditional things that go with that and a woman and all the traditional things that go with that i'm pretty sure that that's the relationship that i had with john when we first got married 30 odd years ago i'm pretty sure of that because i remember somebody commenting about six or seven years into our marriage, somebody that we met, he said, normally when you see a relationship, there's one dominant person and there's one less dominant. He said, but you two, there's not that. And I want to get back to that. I, that's what I want in my relationship. I don't want this servant master, for want of a better expression, kind of thing. And why does that need to be the case? Does this just come? As you get older, do I've fallen into a rut of behavior and actions and duties and everything else. I've fallen into that rut. So has my husband and so have the kids of thinking me in, in a different way, although I don't think the kids do necessarily think of me like that, but it is something that I need to change. But there's a massive advantage to seeing other others as people as opposed to men or women because it stops limitations and restrictions. What if we raise children just based on their personality, not on their gender? So I have four children, right? Two of them would have what would traditionally be called more masculine traits, logical less emotional, think things through. And then I have two who are more traditionally feminine, artistic, emotional, all the other things. But there's a boy and a girl in each one. It's not gender split at all, which is interesting. And I could have sworn blind that it was a gender split when the kids were young because the boys, my eldest was into trains and things, and he's a boy. The next one, he liked drawings and stuff. So when my daughter was born, I thought, oh, got it all covered. I'm not going to bother buying any toys. You know, she's got trains and building stuff. She's got drawings. She'll be fine. We went to a friend, a friend's house whose little girl was the same age as my daughter, and she had girly everything she had dolls and prams and dress ups and dolls had everything everything my eldest daughter walked in there and i swear to god she looked like she died and gone to heaven she grabbed the dolls she put on every feather boa she could find she had the high heels on the tutus everything that was how she wanted to dress and i was really shocked i was genuinely really shocked i'm not like that where does she get it from? This is bizarre. And she's been like that the rest of her life. She's just girly. She likes all the dress up things. But then my second son is an actor. He's all dramatic. He loves his dress ups. He loves everything. He's still an artist and he's a creator. The two of them are creators. What He's the male version of his little sister. Now, the youngest one and the eldest one are much more logical thinking straight through. It's not a gender difference that I can see, although I would have sworn that it was when uh, my eldest daughter was born. So it's an interesting way to look at it, that it's based on personality, not 
on the way, on, on their gender. It's just about the way they've been raised. I suppose the big thing that's come out of this is that there are certain people who think that they can treat other people with disrespect. So anybody who doesn't look like them, isn't the same gender as them, who doesn't have the same political opinions as them, who is a different religion, whatever, they think that they have the right to impose their views on them and be really disrespectful of somebody straight off the bat because they're different. And I don't like that. And I think that's the basis for my desire to be seen as a person and to see other people as people, as a person, not as a man or a Muslim or a black African-American or Indigenous person. I want to know who you are as a person. And what difference would that make if we did that? I'm hoping that's what I've taught my children. I'm pretty sure that's what I've taught. And, and I'm not saying, right, don't get me wrong here, because I've been pulled up to this before, of one of the podcasts where I had my friend Danica Lani on, and we were talking about sexual orientation and gender and all that kind of thing, and she said everybody is biased we're opinionated we have to be it's in our instincts and we have to learn not to do that and we have to learn how to pull ourselves up for doing that and while it was on the whole and I'm talking about on the whole 90% of the people who took offense at what I'd written and said the other week were middle-aged white men with right-wing tendencies. They all tended to look the same too. Most of them were bald and overweight and wore caps. But it was interesting that they were the ones who took the most offence. And I get it because they're the ones who have the most to lose if we no longer subscribe to a culture where they are the paramount they've got the most to lose. If women become as powerful, they've lost an awful lot. They can't order their families about, they can't say my word goes, they can't do all the other things, go and shoot people, do whatever. They can't do that because suddenly they've lost their power. I get it. And I also understand that the the guy who entered into a big argument with me on Facebook, he feels like he doesn't know how he fits in. Where does he fit in in this new world order? He doesn't fit in. He's an anachronism. He's not needed anymore. And he, he doesn't know how to change in order to feel like he fits in anymore. And that is not an excuse for the kind of behavior that he displayed either. All I'm doing is understanding. And that's what I like to do. I would rather understand so that I know where they're coming from and then I can respond to their argument, which sounds very patronising and I didn't mean it to. Sorry. One of the things I want to go back and talk about is this paid, unpaid work thing. Um, And I just want to look for myself at why women are devalued, particularly, well, it's not just particularly stay-at-home mums. Right, unpaid work is not valued. So if you go to work, part-time and then you spend the rest of the time looking after the kids it's considered a bit of a cushy job right you've got your life easy because you don't work you know I had guys comment saying well I work I go out and I work 100 hours a week and I've paid for this and I've paid for that and I paid the other 
seriously, your wife worked full time and then she came home and did everything about the house. So please don't tell me about you worked a week and you paid everything. Why is it that housework and stuff is devalued so much? It's not valued at all. But if it's not done, if the kids aren't looked after, if they're not run to school, if nobody's got uniforms or clothes to wear, if you don't get a good meal or you don't get any meals at all, it's a massive missing in your life and it makes a huge difference and yet it's not valued at all. Something that most of us have experienced is watching your partner do something and going, oh, you're not doing it right. Can you just do it this way, please? And being snapped at. I know how to do it. You don't need to tell me, blah, blah, blah. It's really interesting because that it's there's a, always a constant, not constant, I'm generalizing again, there's a invalidation of women's experience and knowledge. It's not counted for everything, anything. I've raised four kids. I've got them out to school on time. I've organized the household. I've done everything, right? Many women have. And yet, if I went to apply for a job now, I wouldn't be considered to have any experience relevant to any job that I wanted to get other than possibly stacking shelves in the local supermarket, which is completely wrong because I can organize anything better than most other people. I've had to be really organized. I can make sure things get done. I work to a timetable and schedule. Things happen. And yet we don't count. We don't value that experience. You know, you may have raised the kids, run the household and everything for decades, but most, I'm, I'm going to say men, but it's women as well, because we kind of feed off that. Think that any advice that you give, whether it's on how to stack the dishwashers, how to iron your shirt. One of the things that really bothered me about all this was, you know, it's been how many years? 50 odd years since the women's lib movement really started, well, the modern one really started moving things forward. And yet you've still got this level, this deep-seated belief, the work that a lot of women do, raising children, can after the house, everything else, is of no value whatsoever. And while it's people are kind of getting the general idea that that kind of sexism isn't really acceptable, there is this new level of subtle sexism, I suppose you can call it. That's that's the term I've, I've heard used that, that is now prevalent. It's like comments like, oh, you're going back to work and you have to put the kids in daycare. That's so sad. That kind of sexism. And there's an awful lot of hostile sexism as well. Violence against women in any form, which includes online comments like the ones on my posts and reel. There was a woman in America, the right wing, some, I can't remember who it was. I'll try and find it. He told her that he knew where she lived and he was going to go around and rape her and that had shut her up. That kind of thing. There's, an, there's still an awful lot of that and that's a real concern. And then there's the other kind of sexism, I suppose you can call it, that's like, like the white lives matter backlash against the Black Lives Matter hashtag. Um, the, the hashtag Me Too, 
that men want to dry out. I saw a post that said that it was for International Men's Day saying that men suffer 40% of domestic abuse, are the victim of most violent crimes, serve 64% longer prison sentences and are three to four times more likely to be jailed for the same crime as a woman. And most of that information is quite true, but it completely misses the point that men are responsible for almost all violent crimes. 88% of crimes against people, 90% of murders, and 98% of sexual offences. That trying to turn things against women, which I saw a lot of these guys who responded to my poster, oh, you're being unfair to men, we're being left behind, all the rest of it, is it completely ignoring the fact that the cause of the problem lies in their hands. And that is a different type of sexism that we're seeing more of now, that, oh, well, what about me? What about the men? You're, you're forgetting about the men. It's turning anti-sexism into anti-men, and they're just denying that sexism is, is happening at all now. What some guys are saying is that, no, sexism doesn't exist, and if when it does exist, it's actually against men. Now, I need to say, do not get me wrong here. I am not anti-men at all. I am anti certain kinds of behavior and it's all based around respect and bigotry, I suppose, is the best way of putting it. Don't do bigotry at all. And I can do bigotry with the best of them, to be perfectly honest, but I try and catch myself. I try not to. And <laughs> I try to see human beings as people first and foremost I fail miserably sometimes but I do try and see that and here endeth the lecture according to Karen you know I always I always swore I don't like getting on a soapbox about anything there's something wrong with that I don't like it but anyway I felt that I needed to talk about all this and I would be really interested to see what your thoughts are because I was quite surprised by the level of hostility yeah and I was I was a bit irritated when I wrote it and I did do generalizations but I'm not going to tolerate that level of disrespect and abuse and vitriol and hatred not appropriate just because it's on the internet and I posted it to my friends does not give anybody the right to you can disagree with me don't get me wrong you are more than welcome to hold a different view, but I will not tolerate disrespect. I don't go on somebody else's uh, posts and disrespect them. If I don't like it, scroll right on past. It's got nothing to do with me. That is, I don't know, in my world, that's the mature thing to do. What are your thoughts? I would love to hear back from you. This has been a long one from a solo episode today. So thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, hopefully, to the end. Please let me know what you think, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and don't forget to rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving with some thought-provoking information that can make a difference in your life. See you next time.